Welcome to the Realities of College Recruiting podcast, where our team of former college coaches, players, and MLB scouts tackle the most critical college recruiting topics. With guests including college coaches, MLB pro scouts, and industry insiders, we will empower you with the tips and strategies needed to gain an advantage in your college recruiting process. The Sports Force podcast is powered by our partner, Five Tool Baseball. Okay, let's start the show. What were some of, and what do you see as some of the common, you know, mistakes that, that players are making? And then we'll jump into kind of what, what parents are making. Uh, probably right now, making a decision way too quick. Um, you know, you, you make that early decision and, you know, everybody's excited about it. And then things change. It just, things change. Coaching staffs are changing now quickly and uh, the need may change for what a program may have. Um, they may find, unfortunately, they may find somebody else they want more during the two years that you're waiting to show up on campus. There may be somebody else up here that that college decides they want more. So I think the early decision-making is, is it's way too early now, and I think even the coaches, college coaches agree with that too. They're having to commit to kids because everyone else is out there pressuring those kids to make decisions. So you're going to follow what the crowd's doing and you want to get a commitment, but it may not even be the right fit for the college at that time. So to me, that's the biggest mistake that's being made right now is way too early of a decision without really deciphering through what is the best choice and the best fit. Parents need to be very realistic and, and really kind of how many people at that level are really recruiting you. You know, is, is there 10, 12, 15 division one schools really knocking on your door and serious about it? Or is it maybe the one or two? Um, if there's none, then obviously you need to probably reevaluate if you think your son's a division one player and there's not a division one school calling you or contacting you, then you probably need to reevaluate uh, uh, what, what your perspective is of your son too. You know, what were some of the, you know, the challenges that you had, you know, on trying to, you know, see a bunch of the players, uh, have your staff kind of evaluate players um, and really get the right kids into your program? I think the biggest challenge is, is more kids that you just can't get your eyes on. There's tournaments and, and uh, you know, local places you're trying to see, and then you start going national and regional, and there's just more kids than what you're able to go see as a coach, and you're always fearful that you're missing somebody. And uh, particularly local, you'd never want to miss anybody local or in your region. And so you're, you're really busting your, you know, your tail trying to get everywhere that you can be, but it's impossible. You just cannot see everybody that's out there on a list and, and uh, you miss a lot of kids. Give us an idea. Let's say you were um, at K-State and you were recruiting, let's say a, uh, you know, the class of sophomores about how many players um, might you guys as a, as a program, you know, have a name of and, and kind of be following, um, you know, from position players to pitchers, just in general, kind of a, an overall view of not how many players you maybe are having phone calls with yet, but uh, just names of guys that you're, you know, you're tracking and uh, you're hoping to see maybe over the summer. Sure. I think it could almost be a 10 per position, to be honest with you. If you're looking for a catcher, you may have 10 catchers that you're corresponding with through, you know, whether email or whatever it might be. 
uh, that yep. you can do that with. So you're, you're, you're talking if it's 10 catchers and, you know, it might be 15 shortstops. And if you're looking for an outfielder, you're probably talking about 10 or 12 there. So you start adding that up. And again, depending on what your list is going to be, but you're always going to re- recruit from that earliest stage because you don't know what your roster is going to do that far out. You're probably recruiting almost every position because you may not think you need a first baseman. And then 18 months later, you need a first baseman. So you have everybody on your list. So if you have anywhere from eight to 12 to 15 kids per position, uh, that's you do the math. It's a lot of kids. You know, right now looking at a, a sophomore or a junior, um, what are you looking for, um, you know, in your evaluation of that player? Well, I, first of all, yeah, you look at number one, what's his talent and skill level at that time? How skilled is he? I mean, is he already a six, seven runner as a sophomore? Is he already throwing 87, 88 as a sophomore? I mean, those kids make it a little bit easier to project. You know, is he hitting the, is he, is he hitting the ball 400 feet with power? Uh, what are his actions in the infield? And, and, you know, it's, those are things you look at right now, but then on the other hand, is he, is he six, three and 170 pounds and he's throwing 82, 83, but the motion's clean. And, and, you also look, you really dive deep when you start looking at also what, uh, what's the, the parental background or family background? What type of athletes were they? Uh, there's a lot of things you start diving into that, that allow you to make a decision on a young man, even though he may not talent level be there yet. There's other things that you kind of project out and try to investigate to make your decision on whether or not you think he's going to be at a, a division one level or division two or whatever level you, there's things you dive into and research. Uh, I think one of the important things that you guys talked about last night was finding the right fit, right? If you are, you know, throw, if you throw 75, 80 miles an hour and have aspirations to play division one baseball, you're probably not going to make it. And I think understanding that going into the process is really important in understanding what your potential options would be moving forward. Um, The point that I brought up last night that I think is equally important in today's day and age is when you are interviewing schools, um, schools that you think you have potential to play at, one of the first questions out of your mouth should be, what is your development philosophy? Will, like, I train using weighted balls. Do you, would you allow me to continue to train in that method or do you not believe in that because we've had athletes that have gone on to play at schools because they thought it was a great fit and then when they get there they start doing their plyo care work or their long toss work or their bands and all of a sudden the coach comes over and goes we don't do that here and next thing you know that player's arm is deconditioned uh he's not feeling right he feels like he's being attacked at every turn because he's not comfortable in the situation he's in and ultimately they end up transferring out Um, and in worst case scenarios get hurt. And so you don't want to have that. Obviously you want to go somewhere and stay there, you know, for the duration of your career, whether you come out as a junior or stay all four years as a senior. Um, but I think it's really, really important to understand that whatever school you go to, um, you need to ask what the development model is and if that's going to fit who you are as a player. You know, based off the metrics, you can tell a kid you are, you know, three, four, five standard deviations above major league average mm-hmm. so that I can project you out. You throw 70 now with 30 Bauer units on your fastball, meaning you know, you're six standard deviations above major league average. If you continue to grow and get strong and motivate yourself, if we can get you to 90, 
we can get you to any school that you want to go to, or we can get you drafted just based on those numbers alone. But getting back into, you know, the recruiting game, parents, players are, are hearing, you know, oh, you need to get your velocity to this. You need to, you need to go to this velocity camp. You need to do this. You need to do this. Um, what would you say are some of the big kind of buyer beware, be, you know, be concerned about just being velocity only? focused Mm -hmm. and short-term focused right so i think i mean the game is now a power game right whether you're talking about launch angle exit velocity spin rate um throwing velocity whether that's across the diamond from the outfield to second base or from the pitcher's mound to home plate it's a power game however when you talk about velocity development there's some things that need to be keenly aware of a lot of what you see on the internet is the fun stuff, right? That's the pull downs where you get to watch guys like Trevor Bauer pull down at 116 miles an hour and so and so pull down at over 100 miles an hour. You might see high school kids do it, you might even see youth athletes doing it. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But what you don't see in those videos is the four to six, sometimes eight to 10 weeks of work that was done prior to that that allowed their bodies to absorb that kind of a workload to have success. So if any velocity program out there, first and foremost, makes guarantees, you need to turn around and run immediately because there's no guarantees in in velocity development. I cannot sit here with an honest face and say, you know, so-and-so is going to gain X miles an hour if you do our program because I can't guarantee your work ethic. I can't guarantee the effort that you're going to be putting into it. And I don't know anything about you outside of your physical stature, right? You might have mechanical flaws. You might have movement flaws. You might have, you know, skeletal musculature stuff that I don't see on the surface that is going to hinder that growth and that development. It's not necessarily um, that the kids are the ones. I think it's more the parents and the coaches that are abusing the kids for the sake of, you know, winning a trophy or a medal that a kid is not ever going to remember, right? The parent's going to remember it because they're emotionally and monetarily invested in it, right? And you're, you're professionalizing your youth athlete. You know, youth sports is a $15 billion a year industry. Everybody wants a piece of that pie. And so we've taken a generation of players and said, we want to treat you just like I'm going to treat a 23, 24, 25 year old at the big league level, but we're going to play these uber competitive tournaments where you're going to throw 80 pitches back to back days, um, you know, with walkout songs and fancy uniforms and, you know, and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, you're, you're burning out your athlete, you're injuring them or wearing them down to the point where as they get older, they're going to break a lot sooner than they would have had you just let them be a normal kid. You know, along with that, I would say the point is when you're thinking about the recruiting process, whether, you know, your son's 13, 14 years old and starting to show early signs of a college prospect or they're 16, 17 and approaching their senior year, um, it's easy to sign up and kind of go to a bunch of different tournaments and showcases and camps. Um, However, that can sometimes not be the right use of your family's money and time and energy for your son's development. Um, There is, I think, too much emphasis right now on playing games and showcasing and not enough emphasis on the training and development, the athletic movement. 
the things that actually college coaches want to see when you do showcase. So as a general philosophy, as an organization, we would say, depending on where the player is, um, having a strategic approach to when it's time to showcase, um, but making the time for the training and development so that you're really preparing yourself to get recruited by as many quality programs as possible, but also you're taking care of your health. And this is not about just getting recruited. This is about having the best potential career as a baseball player and as a student athlete as you possibly can. So thinking more long-term and surrounding yourself with coaches and mentors that are thinking more long-term is critical. The goal should not be to get seen. The goal should be to have something worth being seen. Right. And if that means that you have to pump the brakes a little bit on showcasing so that you can spend some time developing um, so that when you do go to that showcase, now you've got a tool that a coach wants to see or a professional team wants to see, then that's going to be more worth your time, your effort and your money um, than if you were just to go to go. We get so caught up in the recognition of where the kid's going and who's recruiting him. We lose sight of the fact that I think the most important goal is to allow these kids to play one more year because I'm a firm believer that if they if they stay around the game just one more year, wherever it be, whether it be at a, uh, uh, you know, from JV to varsity high school baseball or from, you know, varsity high school baseball to, to you know, junior college or division one or pro ball, just staying around the game one more year will give these young men an opportunity to be more successful in life. You know, what you need to be focused on is is what this game teaches from a life lesson standpoint that's going to give your young man an opportunity to be more successful in life. Because really, you know, not that many of us are going to get to play it long enough to, to, to make a living out of it, and I hope they do, um, but they're going to learn these life skills that they can take with them the rest of their lives to help them be more successful. Sure. And you think about, you know, sometimes that college decision of chasing the big name, you know, school, um, you know, there's some pit, there's some pitfalls that are out there that, that aren't often talked about, you know, with, uh, you know, sometimes schools over recruiting or bringing in, you know, a certain amount of players and then some go home, you know, during the December of the freshman year, or maybe they're, they they went in with the wrong expectations of what what what, what the opportunity was. Um, you know, there's uh, just so many opportunities out there for kids, and and if you really look at it, you know, if you look around the country, on average, there's four to five kids every year that leave Division One schools at almost every school, mm-hmm. and um, you know, there's a variety of reasons. You know, uh, wrong fit. You know, was homesick, missed mom, missed the girlfriend, wasn't good enough coach didn't like him didn't like the coach there's a variety of reasons I just think in today's society in today's recruiting world you know we're asking 15 16 year old kids to make a decision on where you want to spend four years of your life three years from now and and I just think that's a really really difficult proposition Mm -hmm. um, you know for 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 a young man that's 15 or 16 years old so I think it's really important that during this selection process you know you take that into account that hey Where's an opportunity where where my young man really has a chance to go and compete early and get a chance to play? Right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, you know, the parent is going to be a reflection on their child, regardless of the child's behavior or the young man's actions. You know, uh, uh, human nature alone is going to relate you to an individual 
if you're, you know, their son, if they behave in a certain way. That's why it's even more important that I think you, uh, um, you know, sit down and, and enjoy watching them play. And, you know, if a college coach is in the stands and, uh, you know, he sees a father that can't deal with the adversity going on in the field, you know, he can relate that to, well, man, maybe the kid's not going to be able to deal with adversity. And this is a game about dealing with adversity. So, you know, just, just sit down and enjoy watching them play because I'm just telling you, it's over in a flash. And when it's over, it ends sudden. Thanks for being part of the Realities of College Recruiting podcast and our partner, Five Tool Baseball. You can easily subscribe on iTunes and check us out online at Sports Force Baseball for every past episode of our podcast. If you want to ask questions, share insights, and recommend future guests, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Sports Force BB and Facebook under Sports Force Baseball. Be sure to join us on our next episode of the Realities of College Recruiting podcast. And remember, your college decision isn't a four-year one, it's a 40-year one.